This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, a large batch of votes coming in from Maricopa County in Arizona, widening the gap between Democrat Mark Kelly and Republican Blake Masters for Senate. Uh, it looks like Blake now, Blake Masters, is a little bit further behind after a big batch coming in from Maricopa, which, of course, covers some of the big, big cities there in Arizona. And that race is key because that is part of the all-encompassing race for the Senate. Of course, tonight it is still 48 to 49 with the Republicans 49. They need 51 to take the lead and hold the majority because, of course, Kamala Harris is there to break the tie. So you need the 51 on the GOP side. And they are desperately waiting to see right now what happens with Arizona. Also, by the way, the Nevada race hasn't been called yet. That is still hanging in the balance. And Laxalt very well may pull that out. He has been ahead. Some of the new numbers have also been promising for him there. And so all eyes are on that race as well. Then, of course, it goes down to Georgia. It could go down to unless Masters can pull it out in Arizona and unless for sure Laxalt wins and, of course, Nevada Then it goes to Georgia, which has a runoff on December 6th. And that's, of course, Warnock and Walker, Herschel Walker. So all eyes on all of these decisions. Again, a new data dump that just came in literally just a few minutes ago. And it widens the margin and helps the Democrats in that case with Senator Mark Kelly, the astronaut, married to Gabby Giffords, now at 51.6 percent and Blake Masters, the Republican, at 46.3 percent. Not all the numbers are in. They're still only saying it's about 78 percent, 76 percent by some accounts in. Still too early to call that race. There's still a whole bunch of votes that are still out. And they're saying that they may be able to get the votes counted by either Friday or Saturday. So that race is still undecided. So is the Nevada race. So is, of course, Georgia, which is now going to go to that runoff. And then in the House of Representatives, the latest number there, it's 195 seats to the Democrats. The Republicans picked up a few seats today. Now they are at 211. Of course, the golden number is 218. So they are inching closer and closer to that. And, of course, looking very likely that they will have at least control of the House. And we are still waiting to see. What happens for sure on that and definitely on the Senate. The latest numbers also with the Laxalt. That's, of course, the Nevada race. He has it's like 48.2 and Cortez Master, the Democrat, has 47.8. 
That is a razor-thin race. And again, still too early to call 86% in that one. So the midterms still have yet to be decided. But people are already looking at what happened in the midterms. And all this different barrage is coming from all over the place. I want to get your comments tonight as to what role you think President Donald Trump had on the midterms, if any, and the fact that people are already talking about will there be maybe a Trump-DeSantis matchup. First off, what is your assessment on the midterms? Because you look back, and I say it's a mixed bag. It really is, because there were some candidates that would never have been even propelled to the midterms, If they weren't associated with Trump, there are some that definitely did well because of their association with Trump. I mean, he had these rallies. He got a lot of people out. He got people energized and excited to vote. And so already the Republicans are saying, well, maybe we're not sure about Trump. Some are in his corner. Some are not. What do you think in terms of the Trump factor Do you think also that he should indeed announce that he's running for president, as there have been many reports and many people believe he might as early as next Tuesday, which is just a few days away? Is that the right thing to do before they actually put this issue to bed in terms of the, you know, we're going to know for sure Nevada soon. We're going to know for sure, for sure, Arizona soon. And then in terms of Georgia, we'll know, you know, soon after the 6th of December. So should he wait until then? And should he run at all? What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Do you think Trump is still the guy to run in the GOP? And do you think he still has the ability to do a knockout punch on the Democrats? You can tell that Joe Biden, they are in it to battle. There is no question. They are totally in it to fight. And you just heard even Joe Biden yesterday, who was saying in a press conference, well, you know, if uh, he can constitutionally run. In other words, he's talking about doing an investigation of Trump or doing a potential indictment of Trump. I mean, it is clear that they are after Trump no matter what. And so you can bet if you replace the name Trump on the ballot for DeSantis or something like that, well, then they're going to go after DeSantis. He's the next boogeyman. And that's also Trump's contention, too. He's a fighter. He knows how to take it to him. And I think the message from the midterms is that you got to fight back. You can't sit and roll over and you can't sit there and go, oh, okay, you know, just because they're going after our guy, just because they're going after somebody and somebody else, you can't sit there and go, all right, well, I'm just going to let them roll over. I think the message from the midterms and even some of the comments from the candidates who won the midterms, even some of the folks in New York, some of those congressmen who turned the blue districts red, they were like, we stayed true to message. They stayed true to what they believed. That's also why I think DeSantis did so well in Florida. I mean, he did enormously well with so many different groups. And I think part of it was because he stayed true to his message. This is a governor who like went after the woke mob, went after, you know, Disney, went after education that he thought uh, talked about critical race theory. He also delivered when the hurricane hit. He delivered, remember, when the building collapsed in Surfside, Florida. He went very quickly to the scene. He managed. He stayed very dedicated, very focused, but also did not take the attacks and let them slide. He just stuck it right back at him. 
And I think people want a fighter. And I even contend when I think about Lee Zeldin and the debate, Lee Zeldin has come out and said, oh, I have no regrets about running and, and losing, sadly, as he did to Kathy Hochul. I thought he put on a great race. But I thought the debate he did was superb. And he definitely helped those other seats in New York. There's no question. They flipped four seats. They flipped four of them from blue to red. They won 10 of the 26 congressional seats in New York. That is an enormous, enormous feat. And everybody says it's the coattails of Lee Zeldin because he did so well. He lifted those others up as well. And so Lee Zeldin is saying, no, I have absolutely zero regrets. And one of his best moments was there at the debate where he went to Kathy Hochul and said, this is what I believe. No, you're not answering. This is what I loved his aggressive style during the debate. He was a fighter. And that's why he came so close to knocking off a Democratic governor in blue of blue New York. So you can't sit there and be this sort of soft, coddly little, okay, I got to run away, whatever side it is. Clearly the message, I think, from the elections, and even on the Democratic side, their message of going after Trump or anybody associated with Trump or anybody that they didn't like, they were in it for, you know, for for keep. And there was no gray on how they fought. So I think if the Republicans want to win on that side, they got to fight fire with fire. And you got to have somebody who is a fighter and who is feisty and who is spirited. So is there somebody else out there that you think should be instead of Trump? Or is he the only guy who really knows how to keep taking the fight to the Democrats? What are your thoughts, everybody? It's 1-800-848-9222. one 848 9222. Well, here is the media today because, of course, they couldn't wait to slam President Trump. And if you look at even the cover of the New York Post, I mean, they were bashing him today left and right, too. John Podhoritz there. But here is some of the media talking about Trump on election night. The biggest loser tonight is Donald Trump. The single biggest loser of the night last night was one Donald J. Trump. Yes. The big loser of the day was Donald Trump. Donald Trump has made you the biggest loser. No one should ever be rewarded for failure. If there's a truly conservative principle in life, it's the principle of the meritocracy. You reward excellence. You do not reward mediocrity. And yet there are so many people tonight also that are allies of the president that say, you know what, that is just a ridiculous thing to say just because the Republicans didn't do as well, it's because of Trump. Uh, do you agree with that? Do you agree with those comments? I think to paint it with sort of this wide swath and say, okay, well, he's not the guy uh, because suddenly the Republicans lost. He wasn't on the ticket, even though the Democrats tried to make him on the ticket. He wasn't on the ticket. And whoever it is, whether it's Trump or somebody else, it's got to be somebody who has the fight and is ready for bear. Because I'm telling you, they clearly are not changing their stripes. There is no question. Biden was asked in the press conference, hey, what are you going to do different the next few years? Nothing. With the Cheshire grin. Nothing. I'm going to keep saying democracy is at stake whether it's probably Trump in there or whether it's so-and-so in there. And the only reason that they're going after Trump is they see him as a threat. So if they feel like, okay, well, Trump is no longer a threat, and then suddenly you replace a name with somebody else, they're going to go after that person too. And are they ready to handle the slings and arrows? Do you really think that 
the people on the GOP side should only be nominating somebody the Democrats like, you're never going to find somebody. So you better get somebody who can go in there like a Holyfield or a Tyson and get in the ring. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Here is Marjorie Taylor Greene, who says it is ridiculous to blame Trump for the midterms. Now, they're trying to blame President Trump today, and I want to tell you how short-sighted and ridiculous that is. It is it is pathetic. The people that are running out saying, it's Trump's fault. No, that is a lazy, pathetic, wimpy, easy mindset. They just want one thing, and then they want to carry on without doing the hard work, the real changes in the Republican Party and the way we fight the fight. And she said, The Republicans need to look in the mirror and not start pointing at Trump. Here's why it's not Trump's fault. Trump has been being politically persecuted for the past few years now, ever since January 6th. He went out and did 30 Save America rallies all over the country. He endorsed something like 285 candidates. He held over 50 fundraisers, um, helped raise over $350 million for all these public tax stations. President Trump is at the is at the problem. President Trump is doing everything he can to help Republicans across this country and help Republicans win while he is being politic politically persecuted worse than any human being in our country's history. That's the real truth. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, mudslinging to go around. When we come back, we're going to take your calls, everybody. Who do you agree with, the mainstream media, or do you agree? With Marjorie Taylor Greene and others, is it still Trump's party? And should he be the one who can take the fight to the Democrats? And should he announce as early as next week, which he may do on Tuesday? 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it... A real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Well, I think President Trump is likely to announce he is running for president and do it very soon. He said he has a big announcement next Tuesday at Mar-a-Lago in Florida. And today he went off on social media. I mean, he was blasting reports that he was enraged over several of his hand-picked Republican candidates because some of them lost the midterm election bids. A lot of them won, too. And here is what he had to say. For those who believe uh, that I am uh, fed up, uh, oh, I am fed up with the fake narrative from the corrupt media that I'm angry about the midterms. Don't believe it, he said on Truth Social. I am not at all angry. Did a great job. I wasn't the one running, he said. And I am very busy looking into the future. And then he added, remember, I am a stable genius. I am a stable genius. That's the comment from President Trump. 1-800-848-9222. one 800 
848-9222. Let's go to Mike on the Lower East Side, line six. Mike, your thoughts. Oh, why, Rita? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I said, I want Donald J. Trump to run for president again. The reason why they don't want him is because they are afraid of him, because he's going to take back the Air, the Air Force Base in, in, in the Basra, that area. And, and and he's going to take back our country, and they're going to lose all the ground that they gained on us. And 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 they know they're going to with anybody else, they're going to run them into the ground. Trump is the only guy that's going to give him a fight. And I hope he gets even meaner. Lock them all up. Don't let them slide. He should never give him the key. Well, that's why you hear what I said. That it definitely needs to be somebody who can take the fight if it's going to be a fair fight against whoever, whether it's Biden or the others, because Biden, uh, Mr. Unifier, and I'm being facetious, Mike, I mean, he came out and this, the rhetoric that he was spewing the last you know, few weeks, you know, that MAGA is a threat to the republic, a threat to democracy, um, you know, I mean, just some of the vitriol, the fact that he never came out and defended Brett Kavanaugh, um, you know, anything that was Republican, he never defended any threats or attacks, and yet, Paul Pelosi, you know, rightfully shouldn't have been attacked in his home. But, boy, they couldn't stop talking about January 6th and Paul Pelosi. And it was as if nothing ever happened to anybody on the conservative side. And so they are really if if they they see a playbook now and now that they had success in the midterms, they are going to continue doing that. There's no doubt, Mike. And you can't have a wimpy guy on the other side or a gal on the other side. It's got to be somebody who can really take it because there's going to be dirty tricks. They're going to be feisty. They're going to do anything they can. And if the name isn't Trump, the next person, they're going to do the same thing. They're seeing a playbook and they're already telegraphing what they did worked. So it's like, why change it? We're just going to keep on going. Um, Mike, it's always great to hear from you. Thanks, my friend. Great to talk to you. Let's go to Adam, line one. Adam, your thoughts. Hey there. How you doing? I'm great. What um, do you think about Trump, Adam? Well, I think, you know, I think that based on the this past midterm and last Tuesday and then the 2020 election, my guess is probably more moderate Republicans, independents, people that consider them centrist, maybe conservative Democrats, probably uh, are making it known that they're ready to move on from Trump based on the, the poor, turn, you know, the poor vote, the poor vote tally. But here's the issue. If they move, if the Republican establishment and the uh, primary voters uh, decide to nominate someone like DeSantis, um, you know, Trump doesn't have any loyalty to the Republican Party. And I think if anyone thinks that he does, they're they're deluding themselves. And I really think that Trump very likely will uh, just say, "Okay, you know, screw you guys. I'm going to run as an independent MAGA. And he'll probably take 30 40 million possibly uh, Republican voters with him because there are people like this last caller who will say, you know what, I'm not going to vote for the rhino. I'm going to go with Trump. And he's a live grenade in the Republican Party. And I don't know if 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 you're seeing that yet, but I think you're going to realize it pretty soon. But when you say he's a live grenade, what do you mean? I mean, he's going to split the party in half. Because if he doesn't get the nomination, he's still going to run. He's just not going to run as a Republican. No, that that is a that is an interesting point. And like you just said, um, you know, taking you know thirty or forty or maybe even more with him. I mean, the yeah. the thing that's interesting, Adam, and I I don't know if I would see him running as a new party or doing that, but he might if he's so angry. And and look look what's been happening also, Adam, on the Republican side. I mean, that's the one thing. If Republicans, if if the GOP has a winning formula. They got to be together. 
I mean, that un- the undermining is so unbelievable. Like, like Mitch McConnell, Adam, this to me is staggering. Mitch McConnell, this is disgusting. He basically pulled $8 million of support. He was giving a lot of support to a number of candidates across the country, which was great and important, you know, for them to excel right. and to do well. He pulled $8 million bucks from Blake Masters in Arizona, who right now is fighting for the Senate and fighting for his life and for the GOP life, um, because that's such a pivotal race and has not been decided yet. And he moved it over to go against, um, in, in the race in Alaska, to go against Kelly Chewbacca because Kelly Chewbacca is a Trump supporter and he wanted to go with Murkowski, who is, is very much sort of uh, old guard and anti-Trump and a whole bunch of other things. And the way the whole wacky system is over there in, you know, in Alaska, going up against basically the leading candidate there. Like he's interfering with a race. And to right. me, that is shocking. Think about it. had he put that money and kept it in Blake Masters right now, tonight, maybe Blake Masters would be ahead as opposed to Mark Kelly ahead in the numbers. So uh, the, the whole like undermining within the GOP is so disgusting. And how can the party win if they can't even stay together? That to me just opens the door so much. But your point's an interesting one. We're going to continue with your calls after the break. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we honor our great men and women in law enforcement. A powerful story coming from Powder Springs, Georgia, where an officer there, Officer Carson Yates, saved the life of a marathon runner after he collapsed on a popular trail. Uh, footage from a local TV station shows fellow runners surrounding a man after he fell to the ground and stopped breathing during a marathon. Well, Officer Carson Yates, who is still in his first year with the police department there, said he had a clogged artery and he just passed out and his heart stopped. And Yates and his sergeant worked together to render aid to the man. He said, my first thought was, just to try to get him to get, breathe somehow, just to stabilize him until EMS comes. Well, Yates can be seen performing CPR for nearly 10 long minutes using the training that he learned at the police academy. That training ultimately assisted Yates in rendering aid that helped regain the man's pulse and consciousness while also buying time for paramedics to arrive on the scene. And police chief uh, Lane Caldwell recognized Yates for his heroism during a city council meeting there in Georgia. And when Yates was asked about the incident, he said, of course, I'm excited that I helped save the life, but it is just part of my job. What a beautiful story and what a great reminder of the awesome work that our men and women in blue do every single night. Well, we are talking about President Trump and his impact on the Republican Party after the midterm elections. There are so many different opinions, and boy, are people like viscerally either happy or not happy with them, depending on sort of where you come from. There are a lot of people who are saying that Trump is to blame for the fact that the Republicans didn't do so well. There are a lot of other people who say, wait a minute, look at the big picture, because there were a lot of Trump candidates that did do well. 
And he certainly energized the base. He had all those big rallies. Look at all the people that were coming out to the rallies to see him. Look at the rally for J.D. Vance that took place just before the election. It was a massive crowd. And J.D. Vance won handily. He also had, of course, Trump's endorsement that helped propel him to the midterms. So for people to say, oh, Trump brought down the party, he also brought up the party in an enormous, enormous way. And, yeah, he has negatives if you look at the polls, as Biden clearly has negatives. But is there somebody else in the Republican Party that can galvanize the base and that can also take the fight? To the Democrats, because any idea that the Democrats are going to be the uh, party of kumbaya or the party of peace, that's over with. The minute President Biden did his Darth Vader speech that I call, you know, with the red coming down in the background and the Marines standing there. And when he said that anybody associated with mega is a mega mega threat to democracy, the minute he started saying that it was like, okay, these people are taking the gloves off. They're going to do anything to win. They supported Fetterman, even though clearly the guy has issues communicating. There's no question. I mean, you look at all these things. They they will just do anything to win. They will say anything to win. Uh, they will try to do any dirty trick, anything to undermine anything to whether they can lock Trump up. That's what they're hoping to do. I mean, you just heard President Biden the other day basically saying, I'm not sure if he's going to be constitutionally able to run. What, are they, like, trying to hurry up and indict him before he should announce? I mean, like, these guys are in it for blood. They are in it, you know, no matter what. They are just damned and determined. So you can't have a weeping willow on the other side if you know what's ahead. You know, if you got a bull that's charging and they're coming at you, you got, you know, you can't sit there with the dandelion and saying, okay, I'm ready for a fight. you got to come in there and be ready. So who is going to be able to take that fight? And right now, you look at Donald Trump, he certainly is ready to take that fight. And he's clearly sending a message to also Ron DeSantis and anybody else. I'm coming in. I want to clear the field and basically get out of my way. So the question is, do you believe he's the guy to do it? Do you think that he is the one who is absolutely the one who can transform the party or or at least keep the party on message. The one thing I think is clearly the message from the midterms is the candidates that were very steadfast in their views and very clear in their views and also had clear plans of how to improve the economy, clear plans on how to fight crime, clear plans on fighting inflation, and also improving quality of life in their communities. If you look at all those, those people did do well, whether they were Republicans or Democrats. And on the GOP side, the fact that New York, blue New York, had four seats flip. Ten seats out of 26 were won by Republicans. There is clearly an anti, you know, uh, just anti-Senate, anti movement against movement, a a sentiment against what the Democrats are trying to sell, you know, and they clearly did not like the idea that crime is rising. They didn't like the tone deafness of the Democrats. It was very clear that there were moments and and pockets clearly where those messages came through loud and clear. And that's who the people voted for. And clearly Democrats crossed over, independents crossed over. They liked that message. 
So you got to find the right messenger and stay clear on the message. You got to stand up for what you believe in. Ron DeSantis is a great example of that. And President Trump, with his clarity of message, you certainly know what he stands for. And you certainly know he's ready to take the fight to Biden and others. And imagine if the Republicans do get the House, which it looks like they will, they'll be able to do all these investigations. And that's why I say it's a lifetime until the presidential elections, even though people will start sort of announcing and Biden sort of almost already did. It looks like Trump probably will next week. There'll probably be others on both sides, I think. But you look at what can happen. Imagine if the House indeed does go to the Republicans. They're going to start looking up everything tied to Hunter Biden. They're going to be suddenly going, hey, why did you get 10 million from this group? And why was the CCP so interested in helping you? And let's get into Burisma and let's find out who the big guy is. Let's subpoena bank records. Let's get phone records. Let's do all these things. Let's do what they were trying to do on January 6 times 10. And let's see what comes up. Are you telling me right now with a straight face that there's nothing there under all that stuff with Hunter Biden? Are you kidding me? With all the like drugs and prostitutes and this enormous amount of money that this guy was making, you know that there's a lot of family secrets in there. The question is, will the GOP get to it? But now they have a chance if indeed they get even one vote to make it to the majority. If they can hit that 218, they got it. So once it hits that 218, and right now, they're at 211. They're knocking on the door. They're very, very close. So once that happens, and they have that moment, and they're able to go for it, you can bet Hunter Biden is Exhibit A. And imagine what comes up under that rock. So guess what? Joe Biden may not be looking too good after day one of the hearings because he is worried sick about what could happen with Hunter Biden in terms of what information's there. He keeps claiming, oh, I never met the business people. I don't know them. I had nothing to do with my son's business. I don't know anything. And then the pictures show up of him golfing with them. Then we find out the son goes on the flight with him to China and goes on a deal. You telling me they didn't have a talk on the way. Hey, how did the deal go? Oh, oh, you, oh, and he was involved in that meeting, and he was there. I mean, the fact that he is so quick to dismiss it and doesn't pretends like nothing ever happened makes me incredibly suspicious. There's going to be some really ugly stuff that comes out there, and it ain't going to be pretty. And so you can't have a weeping willow on the other side who's going up against that. And once that information comes out, who knows how the perception of Joe Biden will be. Already his approval ratings are in the tank. But people, if they find out if it is true, and we don't know if it's true, but if it is true that, say, there's some pay for play and he made some clear decisions based on money that went to his son and they can track it somehow to him or another family member and then back to him. Again, we don't know that. But if it turns out to be the case or something happened where there was an enormous compromising moment tied to policy or some huge government business deal, he is in huge time trouble. So you can sit and gloat today, President Biden, but that gloating may be quickly removed if those investigations get underway. And that's why you need to have somebody who's going to take it to him. Because the other day at the White House, when Joe Biden was asked about it, He was like, "Uh oh, it's a comedy. No big deal. No big deal. And then when it came time to questions about Trump, it was like, oh, on that one, we're going to see if he's even ready or constitutionally ready. In other words, 
we may indict him before he can announce or do anything like that or really run or whatever. I mean, he is awfully arrogant. And the fact that he's saying he did nothing wrong, he's going to keep with the same project. He's going to do the same old things. In fact, he's off to a climate summit. You know, it's like, all right, buckle up, everybody. So you need a fighter on the other side. These like mansy pamsies ain't going to work. What are your thoughts, everyone? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Here is Anna Navarro. Um, she is on CNN. She's also often on The View. And Anna Navarro, who is sort of a never-Trumper, if you will, um, she still, even when the results came in on Ron DeSantis, she wouldn't even give him credit. So it's like they're already trying to poke holes on DeSantis, and he hasn't even... Hinted or said he's going to run either. Take a listen. Ron DeSantis barely won in 2018 by 35,000 votes by the skin of his teeth against a black, progressive, little-known mayor from Tallahassee, Florida. It didn't. To, yesterday, he won by 20 percentage points. Why? Because he gained the system. Because he turned Florida into an unlevel playing field. They changed election laws, making it harder to vote by mail. They paraded uh, a bunch of people, black people, that they arrested for uh, voting fraud and paraded them in front of national media. He created an election police. So the only reason that DeSantis won was because he, quote, gamed the system. I mean, that is such a bunch of hogwash. It's just like, you know, everybody in Georgia saying, oh, it's Jim Crow 2.0, the new election laws there. And what do they have? They had the highest outcome they've ever had in terms of voting in Georgia, even in the early election. I mean, what it is such a bunch of hypocrites. So they're already saying, oh, he's not a bona fide. He gained the system. He's Jim Crow 2.0. I mean, you see where this is going. They're not going to give anybody who wins on the GOP side any slack, even a blatant, obvious win that DeSantis had because they're mad. He cut into women's votes. He cut into Latino votes. He did extremely well, um, really across the swath. And they don't like it. You know, it's like so if you if you think like, OK, you move away Trump, you get rid of Trump, that suddenly that's going to change the dynamics. I got a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn. That ain't happening. So here, by the way, here's DeSantis' performance record. This is amazing. Hispanic voters, 57% turned out for him. Women voters, 52%. Suburban voters, 58%. And independents, he got 52% of the vote. That is a home run. That is like a quadruple home run. And you know what? They're still trying to knock him. It doesn't matter. They just hate the GOP. So you got to have a fighter. So And you got to have someone who's a verbal fighter. Somebody who can fight fire with fire and someone who is not going to get off the message. They got to stay on message. And this is Ari Fleischer, by the way, on Fox News, of course, former White House press secretary. And Ari said this. He said that, you know what, if somebody were to challenge Trump in the GOP primary, that it's going to be a mess. It's going to be like, uh, you know, Holyfield and Tyson. Someone's going to have their ear bit off at some point. Uh, here it is. Here's Ari Fleischer. Take a listen. And I do think there will be a primary. I don't know that DeSantis wants to run. We'll see. That's up to him individually. But if he does run, it's going to be rough. I mean, we just know that that's how Donald Trump runs. He lets it rip. He lets it zing. And he's pretty effective at it. So... 
Yes, Republicans would like calm. No, I don't see that happening. Yeah, so where do you see it going, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Trump hates some of this negative press today. There is a lot, even on the New York Post. I mean, they're slamming him on the cover of the New York Post. Basically, Trump says, I may cut off my subscription to them. Move on. He doesn't care. And he said, you know what, these reports that I'm unhinged after the midterm elections, it's nonsense, he says. It's absolutely ridiculous. And he says, quote, remember, I am a stable genius. What do you think, guys? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to BJ. BJ, your thoughts. Donald Trump reminded everyone that there was a midterm. And, uh, you know, he supported all these candidates, which was a lot more than the, the RNC did for them and, and, and Mitch McConnell did for them. And number three, <clears throat> these candidates won and lost on their own merit. You take a look at Pennsylvania. Mehmet Oz is a lovely man, and he was afraid all along to punch down on to Fetterman. And what happened? Oprah Winfrey opens up her big yap. And craps all over Mehmet Oz. And what does he do? Absolutely nothing. You cannot get in this game unless you're ready to fight. You you had uh, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene speaking the other uh, earlier in the program. You know, like a hater, whatever. She's not afraid to fight, and that's why she got reelected. You look at other people that ran around uh, their the, the respective races. These people that won are fighters. And as far as um, uh, this whole blame Trump uh, move, uh, this is uh, nothing more than a smokescreen to distract from the, yes, yet again, the redo of the 2020 election. You have shenanigans in Arizona and you have shenanigans in Georgia. You know, uh, you have a great fighter by the name of Herschel Walker down there who he's not Shakespeare, but he's really good. By the, by the way, uh, he looks like Shakespeare compared to Fetterman. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, give well, me, a, you know, exactly. And uh, you have this uh, Warnock, who's a liberation theologist, communist, who who basically is he, all he just wants to do is stay elected and keep the voters dumb down there. This guy Walker, he's pulled back the curtain, and, and we find out that the Wizard of Oz is nothing more than an old man. Yep. So. I think what we're going to see, Donald Trump is, he is who he is, and that's why he became president out of nowhere in terms of of being a citizen candidate. I mean, he was an accomplished businessman and such, and that's why he achieved the presidency. And and, and you got to have somebody who could, and and listen, like you just said, he beat all those politicians, Beach. And, I mean, he just knocked them down. I've never seen anybody knocked down so fast as we saw in the primaries. And he clearly knows that they're going to play as dirty. I mean, think about everything that's been thrown at him. And he's still saying, look, I may want to run again. You know, it's like I'm ready to get in the ring again. It's like, oh, okay, we're going to throw hell. We're going to throw the apocalypse at you. And then you want to run through it? I mean, I, he's saying, yeah, I want to run through it, it pretty much sounds like. I mean, you know, who else wants to run through that? 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show.
And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. We are talking about President Trump and his impact on the GOP after the 2022 midterms. By the way, still yet to be undecided, as we know. We are waiting to see what happens. It's still 4849, uh, with 49. I'm talking about in the Senate. Of course, they need to hit 51 on the GOP side. In the House, 197 to 211. They're certainly getting closer to that golden number of 218. And then next Tuesday is when they're supposed to basically decide who will be the new speaker. That's when sort of the meeting happens. And Kevin McCarthy is planning on being the speaker. And then basically the number two person there in the House would be Steve Scalise. Um, they're also looking at who's going to be heading committees and looking into a lot of these investigations. Boy, wouldn't you love, I'd love to be like the investigator on the Hunter Biden. I'd be like, can I interview him? Can I be the one grilling him? I'm going to call in like 400 prostitutes and say, when he was passed out, were you able to go through his, uh, his phone and look up what his father told him about X? <laughs> 1-800-848-9222. What are your thoughts about Trump and where he stands in the GOP? Let's go to Joel. Uh, line seven, Joel, your thoughts about all this. What do you think about uh, the president? Hi there. Uh, listen, without preambling or anything like that, I'm getting to the point. I love your show. Very difficult to get through. I don't know why, you know, comparatively speaking. Oh, it's a hot show, Joel. We got we got a hot I number. <laughs> I know, but anyhow, uh, listen, as far as Trump, He's the most patriotic human being on the face of the earth. You know, you hurt him, and you'll be hurt doubly, triply, you know. And as far as DeSantis, he could simply maybe hope for uh, to become his running mate. And uh, since he's pretty young, uh, relatively, uh, Santos, uh, DeSantis can then, uh, uh, you know, try to become the follow-up president after Trump. As far as uh, pro-choice, the question of pro-choice and abortion, you know, I think the Supreme Court put a a huge stake into the heart of the Republicans. Why did they uh, overturn, you know, the Roe v. Wade? Uh, 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 almost immediately before the midterm elections. By the way, Joel, 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 two things. First off, I agree with you that the abortion decision, as soon as it came out, and as soon as that leak came out, because remember, first the leak came out a, a while before that it was going to happen, which was totally unethical, and they never caught the leaker. Surprise, surprise. Um, and then, of course, the leak came out. As soon as that came out, I thought, that is really going to hurt the Republican Party. I agree with you. But on the other hand, the, the, the way the Supreme Court operates and the, or the way they should operate and they claim that they are completely autonomous and they should be. That is the appropriate way to be that they make decisions as they come up to them and as they decide them. So they say they were, there was no politics involved. That's how they felt on the decision. They were very angry, of course, about the leak coming out, at least as far as we know. Um, I don't know if the Democrats were, but uh, the Republicans certainly were. And I agree with you that that abortion decision absolutely uh, was not good for the Republicans because the Democrats used that. And also they made the Republicans the boogeyman. And I think the Republicans could have done a better job. Um, Lee Zeldin, to his credit, when he was asked about it, he said, you know what? 
Um, you know what? Nothing's changing in New York. It's just going back to New York State. You know, it's not changing whatsoever. But there were some others who were a little more fumbly and bumbly, and I think it hurt them. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. on the Rita Cosby show, New York City Mayor Eric Adams is shutting down the very controversial Randall's Island, New York tent complex for newly arrived immigrants. And he's moving the remaining residents to a New York City hotel next week, less than a month after first opening the facility. An organization called a publication called City Limits is reporting that the decision to close the structure, which was dubbed a Humanitarian Emergency Response Relief Center, but on Google it was Eric Adams Tent City, remember, is what they called it, was basically outlined in a letter to lawmakers. Now, there were civil liberties groups who said it wasn't appropriate for the migrants, that they needed to have more. Remember, this is the same place where they basically got Xbox and they were watching the soccer games and they were like having a good old time. They had 24 hour snack service. Uh, I'm not sure if they had any butlers, but it sounded like they had an awful lot there. And yet a lot of people were saying it's not good enough. And so now Mayor Eric Adams has decided to shut down the Randall's Island tent complex for asylum seekers. And he is moving them to a 600-room hotel called the Watson Hotel on West 57th Street sometime between November 14th and November 18th. So we will keep you posted on this. This is an amazing development that what the 10 cities, not good enough. So they're going to be moving them to a hotel courtesy of taxpayers' expense. And what is amazing is you think about, remember, originally it was going to be at Orchard Beach in New York. They spent about $300,000 planning that. Then they spent another 300000 moving that to Randall's Island after they got backlash that the Orchard Beach wasn't a good place for the migrants because it was in like a flood zone. And they thought it wasn't good and appropriate. So then they moved it to another location. That wasn't good enough either. And now the Randall's Island location is closing down and they're finding out that the Watson Hotel is a much more effective and more appropriate way, especially for single adult men. I wonder what was going on in the tent city. My goodness, you guys, the tent city's not good enough. So now we're just going to move them to a very expensive hotel. Thank you, New York City. Welcome to post-midterms under Kathy Hochul with Eric Adams by her side. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And everybody, we are talking, of course, about now even the presidential elections, even though the midterms haven't been decided, talking about Trump and so much more. And here's another one. This one, I really actually thought, you know, sometimes you see things on television and you say to yourself, 
God, that just doesn't make any sense. This comment about Fetterman just doesn't make any sense. My first thought was, you know what? This can't be true. And then I heard it again. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait. John Fetterman, who again was the king of, you know, what was it? Hello, good night. I actually want to play that. Just let's, let's, let's play actually his favorite hits, how articulate he was during the, his one debate. Here is a little bit of him saying hello to everybody. Hi. Good night, everybody. So that guy who everybody is still trying to figure out how he beat Dr. Oz is still a shocker to, I think, the average American, anybody with half a brain. The guy is like so out of it. And yet here he is. He had the worst debate ever. Of course, I think a lot of it had to do with so many early votes that came in. Clearly, there was so much early vote that came in. It was obvious. Uh, hundreds of thousands. And he avoided a debate. And then he does the one lousy debate. And no matter how bad it was, they were still determined to support him. They obviously, the Democrats got out the vote. There was no question. But also, he had so many in the early vote before people thought, oh, God, this guy can barely speak. He's much worse than they've portrayed. And in fact, he's walking around with like somebody, who, a stenographer. I mean, how is he going to communicate? So if you think it's bad enough that this guy is right now scheduled to be the next senator, there is actually talk, and I kid you not, because you have to hear this with, you know, it's like I, I thought this was like, you know, April Fool's Day, but it's not. Jen Psaki, the former White House press secretary who's now on MSNBC, remember Circle Back Psaki, this is what she had to say about the charm of Fetterman. Take a listen to why he's so charming and so successful. I also think he ran everywhere in the state, uh, which is a lesson for Democrats. He left no stone unturned, and he ran as exactly who he is. I mean, I have no doubt that if John Fetterman were sitting here, if he were in a bar, if he were with his family in a restaurant, he'd be exactly the same person. And voters completely see through that. So that is also a lesson uh, for Democrats, too. This is, a, this is a guy, you know who he is, you know what you're getting, and that ultimately matters in politics. Then they took it one step further. This is where, you know, I will say he was sort of authentic, although he also changed his positions during the debate a lot. And we're going to get to that in a moment because, boy, that guy was all over the place, you know, when it came time to his positions. Even the debate, remember, they're like, ah, you actually weren't always for fracking. And it was like, ah, 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 ah. And uh, remember your medical records? Ah, 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 ah. Remember that whole thing? This is the clencher. Katie Turr, who I like, I like Katie. She used to work at New York One. Now she's at MSNBC. I can't believe she actually suggested John Fetterman may be a really good presidential candidate. Are you kidding me? Katie, are you on Quaaludes? Here she is. Fetterman as a nominee at some point for president. Um, I know there's some variables, obviously. <laughs> but just a few. Just a few. But I just, you know... It, it, what he did in the in the super red, deep red parts of Pennsylvania and the way that he ran ahead of Biden, as you were saying, ran ahead of Trump. I mean, it just makes it makes you wonder about his future. Yeah, right. Oh, my God. Uh, presidential material that that is I, I can see presidential in his future. The guy who says this. Hi. Good night, everybody. And then the guy who was asked during the debate. The only time he was, you know, kind of challenged during the bait, and I contend Dr. Oz should have really taken it to him. One of the callers who just, one of you guys who called in the last hour was saying the same thing. Dr. Oz, I think, was too nice to Fetterman. 
You know, because these people were going to do anything they can to get him in, no matter how, like, bumbly and fumbly and ridiculous and everything else he looked. He still should have been taken to task and said, listen, you know what? On the fracking, you didn't understand this. On the other thing, you need to go after the issues. You don't have to go after them personally. Everybody can see what we can see and hear. You know, but still, go after him on the issues. He would have been like, ah, 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 ah. I mean, he was all over the place. And when he finally was taken to task on the issues by the moderator, what a mess this guy was. Take a listen. I've I've always supported fracking, and I always believe that independence with our energy is, is critical, and we can't be held, you know, you know, ransom to somebody like Russia. You know, I've always believed that energy independence is critical, and I've always believed that, and I do support fracking. I've never taken any money from their 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 industry, but I support how critical it is that we produce our own energy and create energy independence. I must correct the record. Uh, uh, Just a second, Mr. Oz. I do want to clarify something. You're saying tonight that you support fracking, that you've always supported fracking, but there is that 2018 interview that you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. So how do you square the two? Uh, I, I, I do support fracking, and I don't, I don't, I support fracking, and I stand, and I do support fracking. Whoa. So that is the only thing I think, Dr. Oz, it's a hard thing to do when you're seeing somebody with that, like, pregnant pause that sounded like I could have knit two sweaters during it, you know? But still, he should have said, uh... You know, uh, let's go back to another issue, since you're so eloquent on that one, uh, John Fetterman. And after all that, Katie Turr is suggesting he might be presidential material. I hate to say it. I wouldn't rule that out. They still kept him on the ballot for running for Senate. Why not stop there? Why don't you make him like king of the world? I mean, boy, not just his policies are out of whack, but he can't even communicate. And there are so many issues with that. But yet with a straight face, an actual newscaster is suggesting that he might be presidential material. Is there anybody out there that agrees with me on that? Because, boy, that is a troubling tone. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Norman on line one. Norman, go ahead. You're here on the Rita Cosby Night, Show. Rita. Hey, Norm, how are you? Good, good, thank you. Um, I think, oh, listen, I mean, concerning, well, Fetterman, yeah, of course, he's perfect presidential material for the Democrats. I uh, I think he's uh, a wonderful candidate, and I think they're going, yeah, of course they're going to, yeah, he's, uh, that's perfect. Uh, it'll go with the brain-damaged president we have. Now we're going to have another brain-damaged president. So, yeah, of course, I mean, that's uh uh, in perfectly in line with the way the Democrats are. Um, but yeah, con- concerning Donald Trump um, in Trump, I trust. Uh, I'm not concerned about uh, him affecting uh, whether DeSantis will be a viable candidate for president in 2024. Uh, I don't trust the media. I certainly don't trust the Post. Uh, they they endorsed uh, Eric Adams, so I don't I don't in- I don't trust them. And uh, we got uh, two years to the election. A lot of things are going to go by. Uh, Trump is uh, Trump saved this city in 19. Oh, God, 79. Uh, We would we would be worse than Detroit if it wouldn't have been for him. 
uh, you know, his effect on this city. Uh, I trust him as I trusted him as president and whatever he says, uh, I don't care. Um, he will be a viable candidate in 2024 and uh, he'll probably win. So you believe and you do believe not, you, you do uh, believe DeSantis will probably win. So, well, but, now, uh, but let me ask you, Norm, hold on one second. If if you had to vote today, would you mm-hmm. pick for who would you pick for if if it if it does end up being two of them? There may also be other names on the ballot. There might be Nikki Haley. There might be Pompeo. Right. There might be mm-hmm. um, there might be Pence. I mean, there's a number of people mm-hmm. that sort of sound like they're eyeing it. What do you think? Well, I would pick Trump. I trust Marjorie Taylor Greene's opinion. I think she's another one that the media has turned into Satan. And I love her, and I love Donald Trump. Uh, and uh, well, and you I know what? Support. You know what I will say. And and also, you know, you hear what I I you need to get a fighter. You know, I mean, are you kidding mm-hmm. me, Norm? If you have, if there's somebody who's running against, look at what these people have done. And this was when Trump wasn't on the ballot. So it, I almost feel like you know, you try to take a. Why would you you vote for whoever you think can get you to win? And just because they're going to vilify Trump is not certainly not the reason uh, that you remove a Trump. You only, you know, have somebody else if you think there's somebody better to win. That is the key, because these people will if the people with a straight face actually suggest Fetterman, then, you know, they've lost their mind. And if they're willing to say that Mm -hmm. if you're not with us, you're a threat to democracy. So it doesn't matter who's, you know, who's on the other side. If it's if it's a if it's a Trump or a DeSantis, they're going to vilify them. And if it's Nikki Haley, right. they're going to vilify her. Whoever it is, they are going to vilify. So you got to have somebody who is a street fighter because these people are playing like street fighters much more than we, you know, you even see on the surface. It's so apparent. And you can't have a weeping willow like to go to like a manicured uh, sort of, you know, back to a traditional Mitch McConnell Republican uh, you may as well just say, forget it right now. You know what I mean? It, it ain't going to happen because they're not going to play that way. You know, you you got to play tough and rugged, and these people are playing for keeps, and you got to play somebody who is ready to play that game and, and play it uh, even better. That That is the key, you know? That is the absolute key. And Trump certainly has shown that he is ready to do that and willing to do that and certainly knows how to fight. I mean, and and I have no doubt that he loves this country. I have no doubt um, that he wants to come back in again and he's seeing the country fall apart right now and sees that he's the guy who can kind of take it to him. And, and that is, you know, obviously that, that to me is extremely commendable, you know, that, that fight after everything they put him through, he's still fighting. Uh, Norm, thank you very much. We're going to continue with your calls after the break, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. song land of confusion because things are upside down you got fetterman for president according to some people on msnbc 
Fetterman for making it through a coherent debate. That would be an incredible feat, making it through one debate without fumbling and bumbling and hello, good nighting. And yet they're thinking he is ready for the Oval Office. I've heard it all, guys. And in the middle of it all, by the way, people don't realize, but there have been more squad members that were elected in the midterms. If you think that the Democratic Party is going to become more moderate, they're going for people like Fetterman, not because of his delivery skills, because that ain't great. But they like his policy about letting go of criminals out of the jail. They think that that's a great thing. His soft on crime approach is wonderful. And he's going to find good company when he goes to Congress because now there are additional squad members that were elected. There are apparently eight new squad members that basically are now joining forces with AOC and all these others as if we need any more of those loony kazoonies. But Fetterman from the Senate side will fit right in. And here is AOC, by the way. You've got to take a listen to this because if you think that they would get the message that they got to be tougher on crime, which clearly was a very powerful message from Lee Zeldin and from these others that got elected on Long Island. Remember, they came out and said, crime, 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 economy, economy. It worked. It clearly worked, at least in those Long Island races. It certainly, I think, helped propel Lee Zeldin. Well, now, AOC is like, what crime? I mean, this is amazing. She did an interview. This is on Tuesday. And she basically blamed crime on cops on the subway. So this woman is like defund deluxe. Take a listen. Way crime is up. But let's also note that subway crime is up after they committed so many more officers to the subway system. So that also tells us from a policy perspective, adding more cops to the subway isn't solving this problem. Mm -hmm. So there are other things that can solve this problem. Right. So why don't we just remove all the cops? Because they obviously don't do any good. Right, AOC? I mean, what a bunch of dumbonies. So I can imagine I would love to be a fly on the wall with her and Fetterman talking. He'd be, hello, good night. She would say, you know, defund. Hello, good night. Defund. Hello, good night. What a great conversation. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Two, two, two. Let's go to Alex. Line one. Go ahead, Alex. Your thoughts about all this. Hey, good evening. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, I really could see I wouldn't be surprised if John Fetterman ends up on the Democratic ticket for president in 2024 in the general. And I'll tell you why. The person that's controlling Joe Biden already used up Joe Biden. Um, with all these disastrous policies and shutting down the XL pipeline and and putting us in this inflation crisis. They accomplished a lot, but they used up Joe Biden. I think it's actually Obama's controlling him. So this person is now going to recycle um, senile politicians that are in the Senate and in the House, and they, they, he's going to take someone like John Fetterman to continue to be able to control a politician as president of the United States. The only question is, how are they going to hide John Fetterman? We're not having – a COVID situation, hopefully in 2024. By the way, Alex, isn't that scary? You know, the thing is, Joe Biden still says he's running. I don't know if he remembers that he said that, but he basically said even yesterday that he, in quote, intends to run. He's going to talk to his family. Um, but I love your I love your comment about its uh, senile politicians. It's, is that like Alcoholics Anonymous? It's SP. Senile politicians are us because you're right. Um, they like the idea of having somebody that they can control and guide. And clearly, they can guide this guy. 
And again, if you think that the Democrats are reaching out across the party line, no way. You know, President Biden said, no, I have nothing to change. I'm going forward. By the way, when we come back, we are going to talk to American hero, Staff Sergeant Travis Mills for Veterans Day. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. In tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a powerful documentary starts streaming tomorrow on Disney Plus and the Magnolia app. And it is called Hi, I'm Travis, profiling the incredible and inspiring life of U.S. Army Staff Sergeant Travis Mills. Travis is one of only five surviving quadruple amputees from the war in Afghanistan. And his story is one of determination, resilience, and heroism, and something that will inspire all of us, of course, as we lead into Veterans Day tomorrow. And Travis Mills joins us here on the Rita Cosby Show. How are you, Travis? You know, Rita, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, and good evening. I appreciate the time and opportunity. Well, your story is so amazing, and you and I have had the honor to talk in the past and to hear your story. Talk about this new documentary and what it means to see your story in basically, you know, the big screen. And it also talks about your resilience leading up to your 10th Alive Day earlier this year. Talk about um, just what the Alive Day is and what happened to you that changed your life. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I was uh, at work with the 82nd Airborne Division in Afghanistan, and I happened to get injured due to a roadside bomb. And I'm one of five surviving quadruple amputees. And unfortunately, you know, I lost my arms and legs due to, the, you know, being overseas and getting injured. But after 19 months of recovery, my wonderful, you know, amazing wife, Kelsey, and my daughter, Chloe, being by my side, I was able to regain a lot more independence. I learned how to walk again, how to drive, how to feed myself, um, do everything that I, I, you know, basically couldn't. But during that time at Walter Reed, you know, my wife and I, we decided to start a foundation and give back to veterans who have suffered from physical injuries um, and their families as well by doing a all-inclusive, you know, foundation that's going to help us uh, bring people to a retreat that we built in uh, the great state of Maine. But, you know, I'm I'm so blessed to still be alive that I know people sometimes can't believe my attitude because, you know, I, I get why people sometimes assume it's a facade, um, but in all reality, I just made I made it back home. I made it home to my family, um, even though I was different, you know, with my injuries. And, you know, to have the ability now to be a motivational keynote speaker and travel this nation, uh, Magnolia Network reached out and asked me to come and give a presentation in their, um, you know, Waco, where uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines are stationed. If you ever seen HGTV in the show Fixer Upper. Yep. And, you know, Chip was just a great guy and he came to my presentation and I talked with him and he said, Hey, look, we're doing the series, um, hi, I'm, and we're doing 10, you know, documentaries and we want, we want to showcase you. And I was like, Hey, that sounds great. I mean, whatever you need, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we filmed this documentary, hi, I'm Travis. And it showcases, you know, what happened to me, but then also, you know, the build up to being what I coined the term of recalibrated warrior, you know, instead of wounded, I'm recalibrated. I have a new normal. And uh, I'm really excited how it came out. You know, I got the chance to 
get a sneak peek of a few things. And, and I'm just so proud that um, I had the opportunity to do this because I, I want my story to resonate with everybody, not just veterans um, and people that serve, but everybody out there, you know, we all have, you know, issues we deal with. And I tell everybody when they come up to me and they try to downplay what they're going through that, you know what, your biggest problem is your biggest problem. And I understand that. And I want you to get better. I want to be here for you. And I want you to believe that you can do it. So, you know, it helps me um, show my story, but also the positivity that I have and let people know you can keep going. No matter what happens, you can keep pushing in life. And I just really, I'm really just honored to uh, been able to meet, you know, Chip Gaines and him and his wife be so wonderful to me and, and allow me to tell my story on the big screen. Well, you truly are inspiring, and I'm not surprised that they're doing this amazing documentary again, which drops tomorrow, everybody. It's called Hi, I'm Travis. How perfect for Veterans Day, and it's going to be streaming. You can get it, again, uh, Discovery Plus, the Magnolia app. Travis um, Mills, talk about also your journey a little bit. I mean, first of all, you know, here you grew up in Michigan. You were a high school athlete, enrolled in the Army, Um I know you go back to Afghanistan because you loved, you didn't want to leave your squadron. You wanted to rejoin that squadron. So you reenlisted for a third tour over there. Um, what do you remember from the day of what it, your bag, what went on top of an IED? Yeah. So, you know, it was, it was crazy. I was awake the whole time and my bag, I set it down on a bomb and the bomb went off and it took off my right arm and right leg instantly. And I was thrown to the left side of my face. I rolled over my back. I saw everything going on. And, you know, I had um, been, I was a con- I was conscious up until the time they knocked me out on the operating table because it was time for surgery and I kept trying to sit up, you know. And at the time, I just kept seeing the movie Saving Private Ryan. And I wanted to make sure that I uh, kept my composure and I was able to not freak out and not make people upset. And, you know, by my, you know, uh, my vision in my head, if you will, was saving Private Ryan. When the medic gets shot in the stomach and he dies, he begs for his mom, he begs not to die. And I told myself that no matter what, I don't want to ever have that be me. I want to make sure that people are, you know, okay and that they don't have the memories of me screaming out in pain. So I don't know. I, I guess I remember all of it. And the last thing I said to the nurse before she put me under was, my little girl, am I ever going to see her again? Because I honestly didn't know if I was going to wake up. I didn't know if I was going to have the ability to live through my injuries. And, you know, because of nine doctors and seven nurses that were dedicated and thought my life truly mattered, I made it through my injuries. They could have loosened up one tourniquet and called it a day, basically, but they decided that they wanted to do anything they could to save my life, and they did. And I am so grateful for that. Well, we are grateful to that, everybody. We're talking to Travis Mills here on the Rita Cosby Show, um, who is one of the only of five surviving quadruple amputees from the war in Afghanistan and truly a great, um, just heroic and inspiring individual. I, as people are thinking about Veterans Day, what do you want people to know, Travis, too, about tomorrow? I say every day should be Veterans Day, um, but what do you want people to be thinking about? Well, I mean, I just want them to know, like, uh, I was so honored to serve my country to go to, you know, go to battle with my my uh, my brothers in arms. And it was the greatest job I ever had. And unfortunately, I lost my chance to serve my country, but I found a different way to serve. And, you know, we are able to do the Travis Mills Foundation and give back. And if people are out there seeing veterans out and about, you know, 
you can thank them for the service or ask them what they did. Um, but at the end of the day, I just, uh, you know, it was really my honor, truly, to have such an amazing job and make some of the best friends I'm ever going to make in my whole entire life and to be a part of something so spectacular. Well, you truly are so inspiring. And by God, everybody has a mission for you. And you are inspiring millions across the world. So many people are going to watch this also documentary. Hi, I'm Travis, uh, showcasing the recalibrated warrior, as you call yourself. I love that, Travis. It's so great to have you here. I uh, can't wait to watch this full documentary. I watched the uh, the trailer. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so great. Um, it really is amazing. And we just thank you over and over again, Travis, for your incredible service to this country. And can't wait to see you again soon and just keep inspiring millions around the world. It's great to have you here. And happy Veterans Day. Um, you embody the best of America. Well, I appreciate you. Thanks for taking the time to talk with me. And I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day as well. And I hope everybody checks out my documentary. Please like, share, tell your friends. Uh, hi, I'm Travis on Discovery Plus, as well as I believe it's now on HBO Max uh, starting tomorrow, too. So you're awesome. And, and take care. Thank you so much. Oh, Travis, what an honor to have you here. Staff Sergeant Travis Mills, one of five quadruple amputees from the war in Afghanistan. Think about what an amazing man this guy is and what an amazing story. And, boy, he's inspired me and reminding all of us about the importance of Veterans Day and how much we love our veterans. You know we love them here on the show. Every night we do our Support Our Heroes segment And I hope you can hear it in my voice, but I'm always smiling when I do that segment and when I also do the Back the Blue because I love supporting America's heroes and they always deserve our support. As I just said, I think every day should be Veterans Day. What are your thoughts, everybody? And also, what are your thoughts about the crazy elections and the craziness that the Democrats, there are actually Democrats with a straight face saying John Fetterman for president. And then you've got crazy AOC saying, you know what? Cops on the subway aren't helping things at all. Uh, what are they bothering you, AOC, to have law and order? Does it bother you? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Dom in Minnesota. Um, Dom, first off, uh, you just heard, as I did, um, those amazing words from Staff Sergeant Travis Mills. What, what an American hero, Dom. I'll tell you what, Rita, this is a great interview with Travis Miller on Veterans Day. That's what inspires me about this country, that we can produce people like Travis. I wish at some future point he'd run for office, even maybe president, uh, against John Fetterman. (laughs) Oh, my God. By the way, way, that is the kind of people that I wish more veterans, speaking of which, um, would run for office. Because, I mean, we have some. But you're right, like. Who is going to question the fight of a man like that? My goodness. Absolutely, because I think that's what we need to save this country from the likes of Biden and Fetterman. But, you know, I used to like Katie Torr. She drank the Fetterman Kool-Aid until she did that. I used to like her. She used to be a fairly decent journalist and, and a newscaster. But I don't know what happened to her at that meeting. Yeah, I, I'm was- telling you. And I like Katie, too, by the way. she's a, she's I, And I think she is a good journalist. I just think... She kind of got in the Kool-Aid, like you said. And I think, you know, to Katie's defense, she's not alone. I think there's a lot of other people. I bet you there were like, you know, a lot of people at MSNBC when they heard that, they probably stood up and cheered and and lit fireworks and celebrated, you know, thinking, boy, 
that that she is right on. So she's not alone. I in her defense, there are a lot of people who sadly think that way. I think on the Democratic side, and it's like, what are they looking at, Dom? Yep, and I think you know, I, I you know, I called on a more serious note because I am a Trump supporter and would love to see him run in twenty four. However, I have to at least in my mind take exception to his tactics on calling DeSantis names. But the re- now, let me tell you the reason why I say that. These are very two credible and strong candidates in whatever position they serve the country. So I guess I have to say I'm a little disappointed that Trump is trying to knock down DeSantis this early in the game. I know it's a dog-eat-dog game, uh, but I feel like Republicans as a whole, as a group, and conservatives especially, are shooting themselves in the foot by eliminating strong candidates like DeSantis I hope we can find a different way of, you know, kind of fighting it out, duking it out. The Democrats can run a crash test dummy for president and get them to win. So I need, I know, I realize we need a fighter in the Oval Office because Trump proved it to us. I think everybody else is following Trump's example and becoming fighters. That's a good thing. But we need candidates like DeSantis at whatever level in the government. So I don't know what to make of this. I, I just want your expert opinion on this. What do you think? of, uh, you know, of uh, whatever I just said. I think it's a it's a good point because I think primaries on many ways make candidates stronger, Dom. You know, so I think that there's a plus for a lot of people who need a primary. I don't think Trump needs a primary, um, you know, um, because he's ready to take the fight no matter who it is. Um, But uh, some candidates who've never kind of been through it, I think there's a reason, a good reason to have kind of sometimes I think a rough and tumble primary is a good thing, too, because if they can't handle a rough and tumble primary, they can't handle the rough and tumble general debates. You know, uh, if you can't handle that, you you know, you're not yep. going to be able to deal with whether it's a, you know, a Biden or a Kamala or a Buttigieg or Gavin Newsom or whoever. Right. Um, but yep. but I do also think that your point is a good one. I actually have mixed feelings on that in the case of DeSantis, too, or any other candidate, because Trump in particular, I think the old days of sort of, um, you know, primaries that were rough, but not that rough. You know, I mean, I feel like like when Trump kind of got into the fray, God, he like knew how to, as we were just talking about, he knew how to knock out every single challenger and he did it like it was like they were dominoes, you know, it was like, whoa, you yeah. know, next one, next one. I mean, you think about Jeb Bush, Jeb Bush never yeah. recovered, you know, from like Sleepy Jeb or whatever, was, you know, and Little Marco, you know, when I see Marco Rubio, I think of Little Marco, you know, the whole, all the, the monikers and all the nicknames, but he was so like, you know, playing for keeps that he really eliminated them, which, which from a debate purpose and from a challenger's purpose, it actually, it was powerful. But I do think yeah. there's a point, Dom, right now when you have Democrats that are so cohesive. And if it turns out to be Biden again, they're going to be cohesive, whether they like him or not. If they think Fetterman's presidential material, they're going to think the same thing of uh, Biden. Um, and they at least sort of join forces. You know, you see it. Look at the polls. The polls show it. And yet you see such division in the Republican camp, Dom, that I think there is a detriment because there's so much infighting between, you know, the Mitch McConnell's uh, view of the of the issues. Look at Liz Cheney. I mean, you know, that's a classic case who says, you know, she's leaving the party and, the you know, the door can't hit her on the way out fast enough. Um, but there are so many um, 
they got so they got to get it together. They got to be cohesive against the candidate. And if there's so much infighting that it gets so nasty and so ugly, whoever emerges may be just so beaten and battered. And, you know, say it turns out to be a DeSantis, he may be, you know, like on his last leg by the time he gets out of the primary, especially with somebody like Trump. And and in fact, I want to play this comment. Um, this is what um, Jason Chaffetz had to say. He actually said that the Republicans right now, especially after what, you know, was a tough primary, uh, there's no way to put it around. The, definitely, it was not a red wave. It was just a red uh, little little snowflake, <laughs> light little snowflake, a little a little little spray of water from the you know red wave. But this is what he said. He said that you know Republicans are not happy already to see Trump basically slinging mud at DeSantis so quickly. Take a listen. I don't think Republicans want to hear infighting between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. And right now, Donald Trump keeps taking shots at Ron DeSantis. That is not going to play well. The other problem, too, Dom, is that right now um, they haven't even figured out the midterms. You know, they still are. Everybody's focused on Georgia and everything, and they're trying to make that happen. And so seeing this sort of infighting already, or at least from the Trump side, trying to knock him out, I understand why he's doing it. He is a master strategist, and he's trying to clearly send a message like, Ron DeSantis, don't get in this fight. This is my fight. You know, and he's basically even alluded that he's got like dirt on Ron DeSantis that only Ron DeSantis's wife knows. I mean, it's like, whoa, you know, he's he's clearly sending a message like this is going to be brutal, buddy. This is my race. Um, and I understand from a, a strategy standpoint. On the other hand, uh, you don't want to damage Ron DeSantis because you're going to need him whether he's going to be running or not. You're going to need him in the fight. Um, so I, so I have mixed feelings. I think maybe it's a little too early to be throwing those salvos, um, you know, for the president. And who knows if Dan Santos is even considering running. You know, we don't know yet if it's this round. I think he will at some point, but he's still a young guy at 44. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. This is my song to Stan. I haven't talked to you tonight. Stan, I'm going through Stan withdrawal. This is like tragedy. I think let's put it up. Come on. This could be uh, maybe Biden on the campaign trail. Huh? Boy, can you imagine the next one? Oh, my gosh. But anyway, here is John Fetterman again. And this, I I still, I rarely do I go, boy, uh, this is a shocker. But this really does shock me that there are people who are actually on the liberal side saying this guy is presidential material. This guy? Hi. Good night, everybody. Wow. What do you think, everybody? They're like, oh, we're not sure about Trump. Trump is terrible. Trump is horrible. But Fetterman, this guy's Albert Einstein, and he's got the uh, eloquence of, like, Shakespeare. This is really astounding to me. And that just shows that the Democrats are so out of whack. 
1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mark in Kentucky on line three. Mark, your thoughts about all this. Wait, Rita, let me tell you something. We've, we've been watching you since you were in television. Thank and you. And we love you to death. We do. And then just real quick comment because it's time short. This guy, as a stroke victim, he he doesn't need to be doing this. He's he's. I mean, it took me six years to talk, Rita. Oh my goodness! So you, so Mark, you had a stroke, and you said it took you. By the way, you sound great, and I'm and I'm so thankful you're okay and you're calling. Um, yeah, but seriously, that, that he has no. That, that Pennsylvania was duped. United States of America was duped. We were duped on Biden. And we're getting duped again. And if Miss McCallum and some people stand up and say enough's enough, then we're going to live this the rest of our lives. Our kids are going to be living the rest of our lives. By the way, this guy, Mark, you are this correct. Guy this guy really, he, he couldn't handle selling anything. I mean, that's how frustrated I am right now talking to you, that I know what he's going through, and he hasn't even gotten better. Wow. I mean, this is ridiculous. I'm so heartbroken for this country. I am really heartbroken. And when I listen to you guys on the evening, I I know that people are supporting the right thing to do. And this is not the right thing to do. None of it is. That's what I feel, too, Mark. You know, as someone, as you know, um, you've been watching me a long time on TV and listening to me on radio. And I've always spoken from my heart. I'm always, you know, deeply candid with all of you. And to me, there's something so unseemly about this whole thing. I mean, it's it's horrible. I feel bad for him. And as someone like you, you sound so great. And I'm, I'm thankful that you called because... You understand his journey. And you said it's taken you six years. This guy just had this in May. And he needs to get help. He needs to get better. And I obviously wish him well. But just as you so aptly said, he is not ready to be running a state, let alone the country. And it is obvious what the Democrats are doing. And it breaks my heart for America, too. Thank you, Mark. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.